your pajamas or like didn't shower for four days and you're like, I just really hope that I don't run into anyone I know. And then ran into somebody that you know. Of like importance. Okay, so I have a story about this from my childhood. I was probably like 13 years old. I didn't go out to Walmart because I was contagious with strep throat. So it just like coincided. I was on the tail end of strep throat to like my last day of being contagious. And I'm locked in my house and ready to get out. And everyone's at school and my mom's at work and I'm all by myself. And there's a road construction company that totally busted into a water main in my town. And so they had to shut off the water in half of the town. So I'm home alone, like, and this happened earlier in the morning. So I'm home alone, like, having to decide with strep throat and a fever what, like, what the best use of water is. And obviously, I had to choose between water for mac and cheese and water for a shower. And obviously, I chose mac and cheese. So I made my little pot of mac and cheese, and I was eating the whole thing by myself. And the doorbell rang because they let school out, and none of my family had come home yet. So they let school out because none of the schools had water. And so I am like, am I legal to answer the door? I don't know. I probably should because they saw me looking at them through the door. And so I answer the door, and (laughs) it is like... Okay, so it was this guy that everyone in my whole church had a crush on, and he was at my doorstep, and I was like, (sighs) and then I realized what I looked like, because I hadn't showered in three days, I lost my voice, and I just probably had mac and cheese in my mouth, and I was like, it was so embarrassing, and I was like, this is not who I am, trying to excuse myself. Anyway, who has ever felt like that before, where you're like, run into somebody important, and you're like, this is not... Not my best. Not my best. So anyway, I think that a lot of times, like, we, s- we put people up in our minds of being, like, this really awesome person that's perfect. And then when they see our Im- imperfections, we get really embarrassed by that. And I think sometimes that leaks into our relationship with God and how um, God is, like, s- he's perfect. And we almost get embarrassed that if he, like, really saw our thoughts, or and he does, But if he really saw our thoughts and our motives and the things that we had done, he would be, like, embarrassed to be around us, or he wouldn't even want to be around us. And think about that. That is a thought that goes through our minds. And tonight I really want to talk about, we're going to open to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Mark is, like, three-quarters of the way through your Bible, so it's in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. We're going to open to chapter 5, and if you don't have a Bible today, we're going to have the words on the screen. Um, But I'm just going to give you like a little prequel to this story of what was happening. So Jesus was with his disciples, and they were, they all got into this boat, and he's like, let's go across the sea, the Sea of Galilee, which is a pretty large body of water. And so they're going across the sea, and uh, so Jesus was a Jew, and all of his disciples were Jews, and they were going to a land that wasn't, there was no Jews there, which is kind of like, you didn't really do that. You didn't associate with somebody that wasn't a Jew if you were a Jew. And so Jesus, first of all, was doing that, and he was going across the sea. So I just want you to put that in your memory bank for later on. Um, so he will pick up in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. It says, They went across the lake to a region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came to him from the tombs to meet him. Um, this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore. Oh, yeah, no one could bind him anymore, not even with chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. 
no one was strong enough to subdue him. One in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke, he says that the man also wouldn't keep clothes on him. And they tried to clothe him, but he would always rip them off. So he was a pretty crazy, crazy person. And like was, had spiritual oppression on him. Um, Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out to himself and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. I just want you to picture that. Like this crazy guy who had probably not showered in years, was living in tombs with dead people, cutting himself with stones, had torn chains off of him and was unclothed, is now running towards the Son of God. And what would his response be? And there's three things. So what my dad taught me, and I do this when I read my Bible, is whenever you read your Bible, ask yourself, like if Jesus says something, ask yourself, what does this tell me about the character of God? Which I think is really cool. And so tonight I want to do that with this passage and ask ourselves three questions of what, it, what does this tell me about the character of God? And I think there's three things that we can pull from it. The first one is you're never too deep in sin to come to Jesus. You are never too deep in sin to come to Jesus. You always have a choice. And you, c- you can always choose to come to Jesus. And I want you to think about this. This guy was like, we just clarify, he was mentally unwell. He was possessed with demons. And he had a choice to come to Jesus when he saw him. How incredible freeing that is. It's incredibly freeing for us. No amount of addiction, no amount of sin in our lives will ever remove our choice that we can run to the feet of Jesus. And I think oftentimes we, we convince ourselves of that. Like, I am just too dirty. I'm, I'm unclean. I'm, I'm too addicted or I've been, I'm too deep into this sin. I can't be free from it. Or I've, I've been sitting for this long. Why would I change? I can handle it. Why would I need to change? I'm already, I'm already screwed up. Who's ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but who's ever thought that? Like, why, what's the point in change now? I've already messed up. I'm already stained. I'm already dirty. You're never too deep into sin to run to the feet of Jesus. I think sometimes our perspective of God keeps us away from him as well. And that brings us to our next point and the next characteristic we can pull about Jesus. And that's that Jesus will never run from you or hide from you. That's incredible. I just, and I kind of referenced this before, but like this, that picture of this crazy man running towards Jesus. And okay, so imagine you are disciples, because I don't think we could ever imagine that we're Jesus. But imagine that you are the disciples and you're going into this foreign land where they don't believe what you believe. You land on the shore and you've been boating all night and there was a storm the night before that you were like freaked out of your mind about. That it talks about that in the previous chapter. And you land on the shore, you get off, and immediately from the tombs, this crazy man who's naked and like gashed open is running towards you and he lands at your savior's feet what would you do like i would like to think that i would be like oh we need to like help him but i to be honest you guys if i hadn't slept and even if i had slept the night before i probably would like okay see ya i'm getting back in the boat (laughs) if you don't follow me i'm headed off like i would have been out of there because that just would have freaked me out but what did jesus do He didn't run. The perfect son of God didn't run from this man. 
he won't run from you. That's not in his character. That's not who he is. That's never who he's been. And I think some of you in this room has belie- have believed that, that God's been running from you because of what you've done. I just believe that there's some people in this room that maybe you grew up with the truth of God and you walked away and you think God would never have you back. And even if you wanted it, he wouldn't want you back because you knew what you were supposed to do and you didn't do it. That's not God's character. I just want to affirm that for you. That's never who he is and it's not who he's ever going to be because he doesn't change his character. In the Bible, God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And now, like, picture yourself walking down a road. So on one side, if you walk in a straight road, God is on one side, and you can walk towards him, or you can walk away from him. And I think sometimes we, like, let's say we walk 10 miles away from God. And all of a sudden we realize, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I want to run. I want to go back to him. Like, a lot of times our perspective is, I'm going to have to walk 10 miles back to him and just really hope that he didn't move so I can find him again. God promises, this isn't as much of a command as it is a promise, that when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. You don't have to walk 50 miles back. He will draw near to you. That's his promise. And that doesn't mean that change won't happen in your life, because it will. But he's not somebody that you are, that's hiding from you, or that you're going to have to like make up for what you messed up. That's not his heart. I just want to point out in this story, Jesus went into an unknown land where he wasn't really supposed to be as a Jew. I, like, I have to believe that he knew this man was there. That he didn't just like, oh, this would be kind of fun to see a new area, travel the world. Let's get in the boat, boys. And that's not what he did. I'm sure he knew that man was there. And so he went to the other side of the lake or the sea. He stepped off and the man came to him. He went and sought him first. He didn't expect this man, who is not in his right mind, to swim across the Sea of Galilee to go find him. That's not what he did. He went and made the first step there. That's God's heart. He's seeking you. He's searching for you. Jesus told a parable at one point, that told a parable of this shepherd who had a hundred sheep, and, and one of them went away, got lost. And so it says that a shepherd, a good shepherd, would leave the 99 sheep to find the one that's lost. And that's what God does for us. And that's not an excuse to just go get lost because we know that he'll find us. But that's a promise that if we get lost, he's not going to make us just find him. He's seeking us. And obviously, we have to choose to come with him. He's not going to drag us. He's, he's a gentleman. But isn't that an incredible promise from God, you guys? The third and final thing that we can learn from God and from about Jesus from the story is that when we come to Jesus, he'll care for us. He's not going to, like, punish us and say, like, well, now that I have you, I'm going to tell you everything that you did wrong and why it was wrong, and that's not who he is. Let's look at the story. When Jesus saw this man, it says that he immediately cast the demon out of him or the demons. He was possessed with multiple. And I think, like, maybe sometimes we look at Jesus as he he just wants to, like, clean us up and make us look good for him. Don't raise your hand, but who's ever thought that? Like, Jesus just wants me to look good for him. Jesus, like, went to the root problem, you guys. I don't think we think about that. He didn't just say, oh, oh my gosh, this guy is naked. 
He has sores on him. He's struggling. Let's just put some clothes on him so we can actually look at him. And then let's, like, bandage him up here and make him, and then try to figure out the situation. No, Jesus, like, immediately said, this man is not well, and I'm not going to stand for it. I'm going to cast this demon out of him and free him in the name of Jesus. That is what he does for us. He goes to the root problem. He takes care of the things that nobody sees in our life, the hurt that's in our life that no one knows about. He takes care of that for us. He frees us from that. That's what he wants to do in your life. If you're walking through addiction or if you're walking through deep pain because of something that has happened to you, Jesus wants to free you. He's not interested in just cleaning you up to make you look good and presentable for him. He wants to free you because he cares about you and he loves you. That's what he did for this man. He didn't want to just make him another follower. He didn't need that. He cared for him. He set him free immediately. And then, in verse 14, it says, so there's a bunch of people standing around tending pigs. And they're, um, I don't know what pig, I was going to say pig shepherds, but I don't think that's right. (laughs) So they're um, pig farmers. And so they saw what happened. And so obviously people, I mean, the verse referenced before that people had tried to chain, chain this guy up. And so obviously the whole town knew about it, that it wasn't like a secret, like that rumor of the crazy man that lives in the tombs. Like people knew he was there. He probably had a family in this village. And so people saw what happened because this guy was incurable. They tried to tame him and he wouldn't be tamed. And so it says, and the people went out to see what had happened. So they went, uh, so the pig farmers went back, grabbed everyone from the village, and were like, Let, look at what happened. And so everyone came out, and when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed with a legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Could you imagine? <laughs> like this person that you would physically put chains on because they were so crazy is now dressed and in their right mind. I can't imagine what that would be like. Jesus cared for him, the root of his problem first, and then he dressed him and cleaned him up. And I'm guessing that this man didn't run from the tomb with clothes in his hand, like the clothes that they tried to put on him, be like, okay, I might need this later. No, like this implies that the disciples and Jesus took clothes off their back and clothed him. That is God's heart. It's caring. And I think sometimes we miss that when God tries to change things in our life. We miss the caring We miss that he's, like, loving us. And we're like, oh, he's just trying to control us. I can't do this. No, he frees us from our hurt, from our guilt, from our shame. And then he clothes us in dignity. He didn't, like, they all ran away to get the villagers, and he had the man clothed and in his right mind by the time they got back. Because he cared about him. He didn't just send him on his way, like, well, my work here is done. I did what only I can do. Someone else can clothe you. So you go back to your village and embarrass yourself and be naked and have no one believe you that you're right in your right mind now and go to try to make amends with your family. That's not what God did. He clothed him and had him, like, presentable and, like, clothed in dignity by the time his family and his friends got back. Isn't that beautiful? That is God's heart for you, you guys. He cares so much about you. And I think sometimes we miss that about him. Like, he's not interested in just making us 
like robots that all follow him and do the same things. He cares deeply about you. And there's things in your life that have hurt you. In sin, the Bible says that the wages of sin are death. Whenever we sin, death is always the result of that. And God cares enough about you to not want to let that happen to you. And that is why he convicts us of things after he frees us. Not so he can control us, but so he can say, hey, this is going to hurt you. And I created you, and you're my masterpiece, and I don't want to see you hurt again. What would have happened if Jesus had just said, like, turned him loose and not closed him? Or let's say the man decided, like, well, I like the tomb, so I'm just going to go back and live there. How crazy would that have been? Jesus completely set this man free and changed his life. If he had just walked right back to the tombs and continued cutting himself and walking around naked— how absurd would that be and just wrong? Like, that would make you angry. Like, Jesus came all the way over here, freed you, and then you did that. But God doesn't get angry at us. He cares so much about us. But how often, think about this, how often has God freed you from something and directed you, redirected you to a new path, and you walked right back to where he had freed you because you thought you could handle it because the pain was gone? That's not God's heart for you. He loves you. If I could have the worship team come back up. Whenever Jesus directs us or convicts us or motivates us to change something, it, he always has our best interest in mind because he loves us. You know how I know he loves us? Because he gave his life for us. It's like the ultimate form of love, laying your life down for somebody when we didn't deserve it. I want to close with two stories. The first story is of one of my friends that I had met in college, and she, when I met her, was walking through some really, really tough stuff. She was just got out of an abusive relationship. Um, she was using alcohol all the time to have fun, to dull the pain in her life, and that's like how she would cope. She partied all the time, and she had a, a bad eating disorder, and she was hurting. And I got to walk through life with her, and I got to see her accept Jesus and her be completely set free. Like, you guys, she sat across from me, and Jesus set her free from an eating disorder. And she didn't need to dull her pain with alcohol anymore because he had set her free. And I got to walk through life with her in that freedom for over a year, and it was beautiful. And I wish I could say that this was like a happy ending to this story, but it's not. And I don't share this story to like make you scared or feel guilty, but I think like God's heart for us is to be so free. The Bible says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And when we go back to our sin, we are bondage again. And my friend, unfortunately, started, like, going back into the, some, some of the things that she used to do because she didn't think it was a big deal anymore, and she just got used to it. And so she started partying more, and I, like, still loved her. I was like, I, I don't want to see you walk down this path again because I know where you came from, and I know the hurt in your life. And she, like, it wasn't a big deal for a while, and she was fine, and then all of a sudden it was like it took over her again she was gone and she's been living in that lifestyle again and the hurt and the pain that she was once experiencing and been set free from she walked back into 
and I don't have the opportunity to live life with her because she lives back from where I came, but I pray for her, and I, I know that if Christ set her free one time, he can again. But guys, don't walk back into your sin. Don't walk back into the things that, even if it was fun for a while, even if it's not inherently bad, don't walk back if it was in holding you into bondage. God set you free. Live in that freedom. There's so much more to life, and there's so much more than freedom. The second story I want to share is my dad's, actually. My dad, um, his dad passed away when he was six years old, and his mom never remarried. And she was an incredible lady. Um, but he had an older brother who was gone all the time with his friends. And so my poor, like, six-year-old dad, his mom had to work all the time because she had to pay for groceries and rent and everything. And so he hated going home because he was alone. So he would go out and just six, seven, eight-year-olds don't really have good judgment. So he got into a lot of trouble. Anyway, there's a lot of hurt that over the years that just built up in his life and just a lot of insecurity. And so he turned to drugs and alcohol. And so later on in life, my dad was an alcoholic, a drug addict, and an atheist. And he married my mom, and they were doing okay, and some friends kept inviting them to their Bible study. And my dad's like, my dad, like, you have to understand, he loved to just, like, have theological debates with Christians and ruin them. Like, he had joy out of that. And so anyway, some things started happening in his life that kind of challenged his belief systems and so finally he like because his friend kept inviting him to this bible study he like finally just like okay fine i'll come and when he came to the bible study him and my mom went something happened and god started changing his heart and he went home and he's like said to my mom like there's i think there this might be real which was like a really big statement for him and so he started going to church, and slowly, like, he started giving his heart to Jesus. And the moment that he gave his heart to Jesus, and I, like, I tell you this, like, 100% truth, truthful, because it's my dad. Like, I know this story. I'm not kidding. He, like, completely lost his desire to even have drugs. And he thought that there was just something that he liked to do. But then he, it was like God opened his eyes, and he's like, my dad tells it like God opened my eyes and showed me that this was all insecurity in my life that I was trying to cover up and he lost the desire to do it because Christ filled that that he was that security for him he was that father that he didn't have he, he mended the pain in my dad's heart and he completely quit drinking and it was miraculous and now I got to grow up with a dad that wasn't an alcoholic and wasn't a drug addict and that loves Jesus praise the Lord Freedom is beautiful. My dad never walked back into that. And I am so thankful that he, he chose God's freedom. He ran to the feet of Jesus. Jesus' freedom, and he never walked back. And as we close tonight, can I have everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? I just really felt like as I was preparing for this message that there's people in this room that have felt too dirty and too far from God to come to him. And I just want to pray over you tonight. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Just acknowledge that before the Lord. Thank you. I also felt like there's people in this room that have been resisting God's change in their life because they've doubted his character and they've doubted that, it has, that he has their best interest in mind. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand tonight?
my final question is, if when I was speaking, you've never accepted the freedom that Christ offers and you've never ran to the feet of Jesus and you want to do that tonight and you want to start a relationship with him, would you raise your hand? I'm going to pray for that one first. You just pray along in your heart. Actually, can I have everyone just repeat verbally? Even if you didn't raise your hand for that, could I just have everyone repeat after me? Jesus, I just thank you for sacrificing yourself for my sin. I accept the forgiveness of sins. I accept your sacrifice. Thank you for setting me free tonight. pray for the other two. God, I just pray right now over any person in this room that has felt just too dirty or too far gone to run to you. God, would you just show them your gracious character tonight, that you love them so dearly. God, that you sent your son to die for their sins, knowing what would happen to them and knowing what they would do. And you still called it worth it to send your son. I just thank you for that, God. And I just pray that you would show them tonight how deeply you love for them and how deeply you want to set them free. And Lord, I just pray over anyone that has been, just has a skewed character or view of your character, God, that has just doubted that you have your their best interest in mind, God. I just pray that you would show them tonight your compassion and your love for them, that you don't desire them just to look good for you and to be good role models for you, but God, you desire complete freedom and complete, um, complete just change in their life, God. I just pray that over this whole group right now, that they would just see you so clearly and see the love that you have for them. We're just going to play um, a song, and if you want prayer tonight, um, we're going to have some people in the back standing up that will love to pray for you. I would love to pray for you, Steve, Zane. Olivia would love to pray for you, Quentin, and I think Steve will be back there. Um, even if it's not really pertaining to this message, we want to be here for you guys.